Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff After Hours, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I have a very distinguished panel with us tonight to talk about a subject that is really in the minds of all New York City police officers right now. And a lot, it should be on the minds of a lot of the public also. And that's something called qualified immunity. Uh, it, it's, it's a law that has an extreme effect on the offices of New York City and the fact that they can be sued much easier than they could uh, in the past before this law passed. But on the panel, we have some experts. One, the main expert we have in regards to the law is retired New York City police officer Joe Murray, who now is a practicing attorney. And he's going to give us the law aspects of it. And we also have retired 39-year sergeant, who just recently retired, Pete Panuccio. And we also will be having, he'll be coming along shortly, the president of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, Ed Murray. Guys, welcome to the show. Ed, excuse me, Ed Mullins. I, I'm, I'm calling him Ed Murray like he's your brother or something. You know? Ed Mullins, hey, Murray's yes. mixed up. <laughs> So, uh, Joe, do you want to give us a little definition in regards what what can we expect from qualified immunity? Qualified immunity is a wonderful provision. It's judicially created. This wasn't the legislature; it was the judiciary. Uh, actually, there's state qualified immunity and there's federal qualified immunity. Uh, so, the U.S. Supreme Court established this provision, and it's not a defense. It's hard to describe. It's not a defense. A defense is something like justification. If you're using force and you're charged with excessive force or an assault or a shooting where, you know, the, the force is a Fourth Amendment violation, excessive, you have a defense on the penal law section 35 of justification. And the difference between a defense and an immunity is that a defense you actually have to raise and during the litigation to prove that you were justified Whereas an immunity is you just don't even have to deal with the lawsuit at all. You don't have to deal with it. If you're immune from the prosecution of the lawsuit. Now, qualified immunity came about in the federal context. And, and I love the example that the court had. It was uh, 1967 in Mississippi. It was the civil rights era. And there was a statute. It was like an unlawful assembly statute that was later struck down. But at the time, officers made an arrest and there was a prosecution and conviction. Once that law was overturned, of course, the convictions were overturned and they filed federal civil rights claims. The claims were against the judge. They were against the, the legislature for enacting this unlawful provision and then the police officers. So as the court held, the legislature has immunity, absolute immunity. When they're acting in their function and role as legislators, they can't be sued. How convenient for Corey Johnson and company there. I'm sure they didn't remove their own immunity. Um, also, the judge held that judges have absolute immunity. You can't sue a judge. Now, they're suing the officers in this case under the guise that that statute that they arrested them under was violating their right to free speech. And they were right because it was later invalidated. But the court said it's not fair when an officer is acting in good faith 
to make an arrest on a law that was duly enacted to hold them responsible for failing to predict that this would someday be struck down. So they said, if you're acting in good faith on a discretionary act, we're not gonna hold you liable to lawsuits. And it was good policy because they don't, you know, there's, there's a, a duality here of, first you wanna hold the government responsible for, you know, violating rights and misconduct. But then there's also, you have frontline workers who are out there you know, forced to make split second decisions and acting in discretionary manners, you want them to be protected so they act in good faith. So it, it's like a balancing act. That's why it's qualified immunity. It's not absolute immunity like the legislature and the judges have. Uh, so that's where it came about. So it really affects a discretionary act unless there is a clearly defined law or rule of law that you violated, you're gonna be immune from lawsuits. Okay. okay. That was a, a hell of a explanation there, uh, Joe. But it was, uh, <laughs> I need to get my off the cuff. It was here. very complete. Uh, you should you should be in front of a uh, a law a first year law school students, you know. I but, used to uh, do <laughs> Justin. A lot of fun. Ed, welcome to the show. This is Thanks, the Bill. president of the SBA, Sergeant Ed Mullins. And I know you. Uh, I get all of your um, memos, and you put out about I, I don't know about an eight or ten paragraph memo to the members of the SBA in regards to qualified immunity. And I'm sure you didn't just write this off the cuff. You consulted with the SBA attorneys in regards to what this means and make sure that you put out correct information. With that in mind, Ed, would you uh, talk a little bit about how qualified immunity affects? the members of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association. Absolutely, and just to highlight, Joe just explained qualified immunity to a T. It's exactly what we put out. Um, and the impact of this is really asinine that city council has made this move to make police officers um, vulnerable in a sense to personal financial loss. Um, I, I think they do this without understanding the laws themselves. Um, I understand as a particular councilman that is making statements that Ed Mullins is putting out lies. Um, I really find that to be embarrassing that uh, a councilman who voted for this is now saying Ed Mullins put out lies. I, I think we have has to be understood is for him to say that uh, and i concur with what joe just said we basically wrote this and my attorneys wrote it so we have legal minds writing this information that tells me that we have a councilman that voted for legislation that does not understand the law or never read the law Sadly, that's not uncommon, Ed. I just want to it's point not that out. It's if not. They, I agree they don't want me to get them to read the legislation. If they've right. read it, we should right. be spiking the football. But, but understanding it is another concept. But what they're doing then is they're lying to their constituents. They're lying to the police officers. They're lying to the people that they're claiming to be looking out for. And most importantly, they're lying to themselves in the mirror which tells you who are they really that we're voting for. Um, I do call them a liar. I do. They're lying. 
they're outwardly lying 100%. I stand by what I wrote. And the truth of the matter is they have weakened a police department. They have tampered with public safety. I do not encourage any police officer to jeopardize their family, their career, or their own personal well-being while doing their job. I encourage them to do their job. And if that means just taking a police report, then they did their job. But we cannot do a job that allows us to lose our families, our houses, our, our pensions, our, our well-being to provide for our families for trying to do what's right. We don't hold surgeons accountable when someone dies on the table. No one has talked about the body count that's growing on a daily basis in the city of New York. Every day, today, there's been multiple shootings in the city of New York. Who is the shooter in these cases? We look for an individual perp who actually squeezed the trigger. Well, let's put the blame in the hands of the mayor, Corey Johnson, Rory Lansman, all the people that have empowered the criminals because they are just as much to blame as the actual trigger men in the street. And no one holds them account. Where is Black Lives Matter right now, Bill? How come they're not screaming about young male blacks being killed in the city of New York? Chicago. Well, you know, Ed, they, they absolutely should be. And like, incrementally, incrementally, the city council has been weakening the police, as you said. Correct. It started with the diaphragm law. Correct. They just made a thing, and I don't know what their reason for this was. They took the uh, the issuing of press passes away from the NYPD. Right. They just took vehicle accidents and took it from the NYPD and gave it to the Department of Transportation. Have they thought that through? What if a guy's fleeing a felony? He's got guns in the car. Are they going to go investigate that as, as the guy's popping them with bullets? What if it's a DWI and he gets in an accident? Is the Department of Transportation going to investigate okay. that? What's taking place in the department is cowardice. That's what's taking place. We have a police commissioner who sits in a chair and pretends to be the police commissioner with no leadership. None. Okay. We had Bratton. He deals with every vendor in the country. You know? P.T. Barnum is the equation of Bill Bratton, followed by who? Jimmy O'Neill, who did what? He was a sergeant who produced the videos for Bratton's wife when she was doing her news media stuff. He would do that out of the police academy. The public wants accountability. It's not the white shield cop in the street. It's the policies that are current up top. So what happens after Bratton? We get O'Neill, followed by Shea. He takes away anti-crime. When did the body count start to grow in the city of New York? When we took away anti-crime, yep. we started the compression bill of the diaphragm bill. Okay, that's when it happened. So I challenge every member of the public. There's some good-looking anti-crime guys out there. Remember these there guys? And they're all in shape, too. So yep. here we go with we have no anti-crime. We have a diaphragm bill. Let the public go look at the shootings and homicides that occurred since those things have been implemented. You want to stop the violence? Reinstate anti-crime, do it in the diaphragm bill. You think that instituting, you know, qualified immunity to make police officers vulnerable? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get less arrest. No one's going to jeopardize their home, their family, their pension, their career. Who's going to do that? No so, one. Let's invite the tourists here. 
Let's invite business back to New York so that they could all become victims while the cops have ringside tickets to watch what's occurring for violence. It's a joke, and these people don't get it. And never once did they reach out to say, what do you guys think about this? Not once. Well, that, and that's the biggest arrogance of all, is that they don't ask uh, criminal justice academics. They don't ask police chiefs. They don't ask them for any advice on how to do this stuff or, or legal minds. They just do it. I don't know what their legal mind, where it is, if they have any background in, in the law. They shouldn't ask police chiefs. They shouldn't because the police chiefs are cowering to public policy because they're too afraid to tell the truth. Ask, stop a police officer in the street and ask them what they think is happening out there. Talk to the people that are doing the job. Ask them. I don't need to ask a politician what they think. They've never rode in a, a radio car. They've never worn a uniform. They've never knocked on a door with someone behind it with a firearm. They've never done it. We may have one or two that are out there that have worn the uniform and became elected officials, but they're not the majority. What's taking place now is the squeaky wheel is getting all the news media and these weak-minded elected officials are cowering over to institute policies that are doing nothing but contributing to the murder rate and the shooting rate. And I call it's it. Get, it's getting scary out there. You can look you know? at every statement I put out over the years. I've been 100% correct on all of them. I've said this was happening, and it's happening. So now we're going to watch and see. And eventually, the pendulum's going to swing back. It's going to happen yeah. when people say they had enough. You throw a news reporter off a rooftop, everyone's going to have enough. You'll see the stories change right away. Okay, And I'm not encouraging that when fake news decides to come out. Ed Mullen said, throw a news reporter. We don't want that to happen. We don't. But there was a young kid visiting New York with his family, Brian Watkins, who came to the U.S. Open, who was stabbed and murdered on a train platform. That was the turning point. U.S. Open is the biggest sports money maker in the city of New York. That was the turning point. Why does that have to happen, Bill? Why does a 17-year-old young male black kid have to be murdered in, in Brownville and no one talks about it? Where's Black Lives Matter? Collecting checks from Nike. That's where yep. they are. Yep. That's where they are. But no one says that. We blame the cop in the street. Well, the wall in city and one police plaza has got names of cops that have been murdered over the years who have given blood to this city. Not Nike. Nike's done nothing but take from the city. 100%. Sergeant Pete Panuccio, I know that you received a recent email. We'll leave it at an unnamed member of the city council. But do you want to maybe discuss what was the topic in that email in regards to qualified immunity? I mean, I don't, here's the thing. I, my first day of retirement last year, myself and another retired supervisor actually went out to Brooklyn to a rally where he and another knucklehead from the city council were having some kind of rally and confronted him right to his face. I says, you and you are getting people killed. He says, my last month in the job, I haven't handled that many homicides and shootings. I said, we had 22 shootings in Manhattan North in one night, a seven-hour period. He says, it's because of you. And the one guy who was completely out of his mind, I'm not going to out anybody just yet, he gives me this big, all-encompassing answer. And I says, I finally just said to the guy, listen, you stop it. Just stop. He finally walked away. 
And the guy who sent me this letter, he actually said, he was honest with me. He says, he says this is what I'm dealing with. He says, there's no talking to that guy. And, uh, you know, also dealing with you know, guys like uh, with Corey Johnson. And these people are, I, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, leftist, democratic socialists, whatever the hell they are. Imbecile. <laughs> well, but you know what? They're celebrating this. This to them was spiking the football. This was huge. We got qualified immunity gone. And this is going to be the gameplay in every major city across the United States. They're going to be pushing for this. With us, the problem here is it's not going to stop with this first assault on qualified immunity. They're just going to keep going. These people are determined to just completely nullify cops, just back them into the corner, do nothing. Now, I'm just going to read you the, the I got into, for those of you that don't know, anybody out there in this land, I'm going to tell you something. Engage these people on platforms like Twitter. You can get right in their face. Um, Steve Levin was the sponsor of the recent bill with qualified immunity. And Levin took umbrage to people calling him out yesterday. And he actually engaged a couple of people on there. And I'll tell you what, he, he got really defensive. People are waking up. People are getting mad. They realize how dangerous this is. It's dangerous for the cops, dangerous for the people. And he got fried on Twitter. And right. people just let him have him. And you know what? They're operating in their own echo chamber down there. So, you know, here I am. I got into it with this certain councilman. I'm not going to blow the guy up because we do have, we still have dialogue. And I've offered time and again. And we started going back and forth about this particular issue. And I said, hey, do you have any input from anybody in the job? He says, who wrote this law? I says, was this written by litigators, by professional trial lawyers? Or was it city council members, you know? I says, let's stop it, because who's going to make out the end on this? You know as well as I do, there are going to be guys lining up every time you got a bad search or you know, arrest goes south. They're going to be looking to take a piece out of the cops' rear ends. Now, this guy, he says, oh, we had input from the police department. I don't believe that. No. Um, this is what he, just bear with me. I have to look down to read it. But first paragraph, the amount of disinformation Mullins is spreading is dangerous and not helpful. <laughs> Period. The end. No cop will be held personally liable for anything. Anyone suggesting otherwise... He's just lying. Ending qualified immunity simply levels the playing field for plaintiffs to be able to get their civil case uh, against the NYPD urgent court. And then he just goes on to say this has no bearing on the officer, no bearing on possible lawsuits. Like, this is just a non-entity issue that happened. And, uh, you know, you, you, you yank at my chain here, pal. I, I, you know, we all know where this is going. I was a cop longer than this guy's been on the planet. Um, so, and he gets on to this whole issue. I'm not anti-cop, if anybody thinks that. Well, I'm like, hey, guy, you were one of the sponsors of the chest compression bill. He goes, well, you don't know this and that happened in the background. Okay, well, now you're, he's not a sponsor on this present legislation. But the usual pack of yam bags is 11 uh, Jimmy Van Bramer, the typical clowns, the typical Bolsheviks that just really want to destroy the cops. 
Um, you know, for this guy to come out and say, we're just trying to level the playing field. Okay, who are you leveling the playing field here? You have police officers doing their jobs, and then you have scales that are committing crimes. All right? We're not morally equivalent. Police officers were always given the benefit of the doubt. You ask them to do a job that could cost them their life. They have to make a decision in a second. Police officers, you know what? Yeah, that's right. You give them the benefit of the doubt because they're doing a tough job. That's gone. These people are giving us no benefit of the doubt, no nothing. And they will, they're out to get us. There's just, there are a couple of people in the city council that have common sense and are doing the right thing. However, you know, as for any use for the cops that are out there, none, absolutely none. And uh, they're going to just keep going. They're going to keep pressuring. And other places like in Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, they're going to do the same. Ooh, let's get rid of qualified immunity. Yay, yay, yay. Ed, do you want to address that? Since it yeah, was, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, we don't know who the councilman is, but he's a moron. And I say <laughs> that. I say that 100% convinced that he's a moron. I personally know of at least one sergeant who is now on the hook for close to $300,000 in a civil lawsuit because the city of New York refused to indemnify him. If this councilman spent the time looking at the lawsuits in the city of New York, he's right. The playing field needs to be balanced. The city does not defend the lawsuits against the police department. It's too costly. So they pay out in order to avoid lawsuits that get dragged out into the courts and cost the city millions of dollars. They just settle. So it is imbalance. It's imbalance against the police officer. And that's a fact. This, this councilman should be addressing why are we paying for lawsuits and incidents that are just frivolous, non-legal incidents, and we just write checks. Anybody out there looking to make a dollar, sue the city. They will pay you in no time at all. They will do it. You'll, it's free money. Better than playing lotto, sue the city. But he won't say that. Why? Because he's accountable for that. So to make this a playing field to, to claim its balance, this guy's a moron. He didn't do his homework. I challenge him. I'll challenge him to a public debate that he's wrong 100%. You're challenging cops to go to work every day trying to do what's right, and something goes wrong. We don't get to control what goes wrong. A person that is robbing a store, carrying a firearm, knows what they are going to do. We don't. We don't know what's going to happen. We get second-guessed over and over and over again. And our cowardice bosses in one police plaza, they weaken to public opinion. We have an internal affairs bureau that spends time chasing nonsense. Not real corruption. Not real corruption. Our commissioner that heads this, Resnick, was one of the best investigators on the job. He's now become part of the problem. He stayed too long. He, he's like Captain Quig, you know, strawberry. <laughs> this is where we've gotten... <laughs> with policing. Yeah. We have a commissioner who's an academic guy, does whatever the mayor wants. Has he really addressed the shootings in the city of New York and the violence? Has he come out and said this is wrong? 
He hoped for Christmas to have less guns on the street. Thank you, Commissioner Shea. We all hope for that. But well, you know, Ed, there's one of the areas, though, that I'm still amazed that cops are still pulling guns off the street because it, within stop, question, and frisk is one of the specific areas that qualified immunity is going to drop them like a hot potato if they Absolutely. deem the searches incorrect or Absolutely. wrong. Absolutely. You know? And we're second guessed. You know, I, I, I worked in Brooklyn when the Brooklyn DA's office would just simply not prosecute a gun arrest. They just wouldn't do it. And they didn't believe that cops could just come up with these guns. So they refused to prosecute it. Now, that cancer spread to every borough with DA's who was sworn to prosecute the law. Decide, now nah, we're not going to prosecute the law. I always, I just wonder at what point did the criminals become the good guys and the cops became the bad guys? It's just, it seems like it happened overnight. And uh, Councilman Joe Murray, I know you, we were talking before the show started in regards to you thinking this may not even be constitutional, having the city council pass this law. Would you want to touch upon that? Yeah, let me just explain it, because the law is based on reasonableness and common sense. And here we have qualified immunity, which was judicially created by the U.S. Supreme Court in a federal context on a federal civil rights claim. So the city council does not preempt the U.S. Supreme Court. I believe firmly that if someone brings a federal civil rights action, qualified immunity is still available. What I th and we also have state qualified immunity for state actors. And it's not just police officers. It's for all municipal workers uh, who are acting in a discretionary, a discretionary manner and their perceived good faith if a, like the, the standard is if a reasonable police officer would look at what you did and make the same determination, like if you're making an arrest, I would interpret that as probable cause to make an arrest. You get it. Even if later they say, no, there was no probable cause. Why? Because it's qualified immunity. You're acting in good faith and it's reasonableness. If you're acting reasonable, you're not subject to litigation in a lawsuit. So that's the rule. And again, the state has that. And I don't think the city council can undermine the state, uh, you know, qualified immunity. However, but I Joe, well, like we said before, the state and the cities don't always follow federal law. I give you sanctuary cities. You yes. know what I mean? I, and I think, you know, that home rule, the city can, through this statute, if you read it, they created this private right of action. They're actually saying in the provisions of that law that a violation of a Fourth Amendment use of force, search and seizure, is a violation that you can no longer assert qualified immunity. So I think I'm not great on this constitutional issue, but I believe this city, if you sue under this provision, they can preempt qualified immunity. But if they're suing in state court about a state issue, uh, you know, the, the common law, false arrest, unlawful imprisonment, those state claims, they can't preempt that. It's only if they sue under this provision. And similarly, federal court, if you file a 1983 action, I don't believe that the nitwits and the city council can preempt the, the United States Supreme Court in their decision to enact qualified immunity. Uh, Joe, a question for you and also for Ed and Pete. Do do rank and file police officers, sergeants, lieutenants, captains, do they need to get their own liability insurance? 
I believe that's their plan. Their, their, their goal is that police officers should not cost the taxpayer money because they're violating people's rights. And that's their theory. So they want to have, I think the next thing coming is the amendment of 50K, uh, where, and it's happening. More people are being denied indemnification now. I'll give you a perfect example. I work with a civil rights attorney, and she had uh, initiated this action and there was a CCRB investigation. So she wanted to go forward with the lawsuit, but the court counsel said, we have to wait until CCRB completes their investigation so that we will be able to make the determination if we're gonna indemnify that officer. Can you imagine that? CCRB is now making a determination that the city will, whether or not the city will indemnify the officer. Yes, great legal minds in CCRB, you know. Yeah, so, and you know where they're going with that. So, I Ed, well, can I just, uh, Joe, can I just hold you for one second? Ed, do sergeants need to get their own liability insurance? I'll be honest with you, uh, Bill, is it's something that people are talking about, but I am going to say no, and I'll tell you why. I think they're better off to focus on their families and do the job by the book the way the department wants until the public comes forward and says, we don't want this law on the books. We support our police. If the public doesn't care about us, then we need to rethink that. Why should a police officer go take money out of their pocket to get insurance to protect them for a job that they're taking? Would you do that? As a nurse, would you do that as a politician who makes bad laws? So why should we be treated differently? So for every police officer listening, don't do it. But do the job the way the department tells you to do the job. Don't go out and become aggressive as far as chasing the numbers and the quotas that do exist. Don't do that. Okay? Take the report, send it to the detectives, and unfortunately the victim's going to stay a victim a couple more days. But it's not the right way to go. But we need to protect police officers first. And it, we shouldn't be paying for insurance because the city of New York puts us into that position. If we're going to do that, then we want to write some of the policies that these idiot chiefs and commissioners come up with. We want to write some of the training that they come out with that we challenge if you're going to hold us accountable for it, it's your thoughts, it's your training, it's your leadership that's putting us in this position, so you pay for it. Yeah, I 100%. I've got to say, Ed, you're really hitting at the core of this issue. They're trying to say we're leveling the playing field. Well, wait a second. First of all, qualified immunity does not cover all lawsuits, and if there's a clear violation of a civil right or, or a statutory right, you're not able to assert qualified immunity. Now, so we're talking about that gray area where there is a reasonableness where you interpret something as, but you're wrong and you end up being wrong, but it was good faith. Okay, so what's the remedy for that? Opening up lawsuits, training, further training, assisting these cops. On top of that, we also have a disciplinary measure. If, if we're not allowed, I can't cite the section, but I'm sure it's in the patrol guide to use excessive force. We can use deadly force, Joe. We've been trained, and you know it, that we've been trained 
when necessary, we're allowed to use deadly force. We need to get there. Now, to highlight what you're talking about, we just seen a report come from the AG, Tish James, about last year's peaceful protests that were, in fact, riots. Okay? They took Chief Monahan, Chief of the Department at the time, to the woodshed, put him over, his, over their knee and spanked him. For all his policies that he implemented, it was in charge of during these peaceful protests. Chief Monaghan was the very same person that was sued by 234 people during the RNC convention and cost the city $16 million. So what did we do? We moved him to another position. Why? Not because he was that great, because CCRB was all over him for what occurred as a result of his policies. But worse yet, what did we do? We sent people to President Biden's inauguration in the event of protests who still weren't trained. So you just labeled the whole NYPD bad for their training for handle past summer's protests. And we now sent you to DC without any new training. How do we do that? We have a trial going on in Minnesota, which you know everybody's now in uniform waiting to see what's gonna happen. And we've had no new training. So the same policies that were implemented during last summer that Tish James said were wrong are still in existence. Nothing's been done, but the public is getting a royal jerk job on this. And who do they blame? The cop in the street. Start holding the commissioner and the chiefs accountable. Joe's 100% correct. That's you know, and so when they talk about. about that, when they talk about training, and I think we spoke about this before, they'll always say if a cop does something wrong, oh, he needs more training. But yep. they don't really mean that no. because they know how much training costs. Right. They won't they know. It takes the cop off the road, too. They, they won't train him. It's when we form some type of commission. We're going to do a commission. That's the hand job for the public to sit back and say, we're going to look into this. We're going to address it. What was the response to this James's report? We're going to implement these policies. What no one said is all the people that are willing to implement these policies will be gone in the next eight months. They'll all be gone. Monaghan was one of them. He's already gone. Right. So welcome to the royal hand job for the city of New York. That's what they're getting from one police plaza. But I think what's happening and what they're doing by focusing on this lawsuit rem as a remedy to what they believe is excessive force, a problem with the police department, instead of training, using lawsuits and opening the floodgates for lawsuits, that shows you what they think of police officers. Now, I, I, know, I know all of you, but when I came on the job, I was 20 years old. I wanted to help people. My daughter, I'm so sad about this. My daughter wanted to take the job. She took the city test, Nassau, Suffolk. She scored very well. She was at Adelphi. She was getting her BSN. When the city called her, she deferred. She wanted to finish her, her degree and get her nursing degree. Now she's decided I don't want to take that. And I'm actually happy. I mean, it's sad. I'm saying it's sad because I would have loved for her to be a police officer, but I think it was the right decision. Really? They don't respect police officers anymore, and they assume you're corrupt, abusive, and, and criminals. That's what our leaders, our government officials, like the city council, like the mayor, that's, and, and it, it's told to us by their actions, their very actions. Instead of investing in the training, I'm telling you, and I, I'll just share this, I was arrested on duty in uniform 
for an act of excessive force. I was arrested for using excessive force. Then the city, when I got, I, I navigated all those criminal charges and department charges. When I got sued, the city said, we're not backing you. There you got to do it yourself. And I did, and I, I represented myself, I won. I then went to law school. I got to tell you, it was so empowering to learn the law, to be trained and know what I can and cannot do, what a police, a police officer can and cannot do. So what I'm getting at is that if they really want to help and solve the problem, these cops want to do their job. I hear what you're saying, Ed, but they took this job to help the, the, the city to help the they want to do their job. They need to be given the right tools. We need to empower them. And one of the things, like when Mark Green was running, he was campaigning on it. Every cop should have a four-year degree. He was big on training. We don't hear that anymore. We don't hear about training and having the finest police department in the country and in the world. That used to be the goal. We don't do that anymore. We demonize cops. We attack them. You know, and guys, I just, Joe, I just want to just, I wanted to get off this for one second because there's been a lot of attacks in the city uh, of Asian people. And I just wanted to show uh, two videos here that will, um, it's going to show these attacks. Who they say stood by and did nothing. nothing. Surveillance video shows a man kick a 65-year-old woman to the ground, stomping on her several times before police say he made anti-Asian statements. Sources tell CBS2 he also said, you don't belong here, and then ran off. This happened just before noon Monday on West 43rd Street. This is the suspect investigators are looking for. The Asian Hate Crimes Task Force tweeted the video, saying in part, the cold-hearted building security guard not only failed to render aid, he closed the door on the victim. It's really terrible how every single day there's going to be another incident. The Hate Crimes Task Force is investigating this attack on the J train. One man beats and chokes a man police believe is Asian until he goes unconscious. Fellow riders watch without intervening. The video has been viewed over a million times on social media. Police are trying to track down its origin and identify both the victim and suspect. What kind of hate We don't need a hate crimes task force. We need an anti-crime to get these people off. Amen. Amen. You know, real quick, John Lou was one of the first people that would throw the cops under the bus. Okay? You're out there. Oh, this is horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. You know what? The problem here is cops are hesitant enough as it is. Nobody want, Everybody's scared to put their hands on people. You know? That's going to get cops killed and hurt. I, I've, I said this the other night, we were discussing it, and it, it drives me crazy. You see police officers getting into protracted wrestling matches with perpetrators. Where, I hate to use the phrase, back in our day, you know what? You would have elevated that long before the fight would be over. The longer that fight goes on, the greater the chance the cop or the civilian is going to get hurt. Or you see cops, you know, with a purple with a gun 15, 20 times, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun. What do you mean dropping the gun, right? <laughs> You're standing there pointing the gun at me. I'm shooting you. End of story. <laughs> Drop the gun. Well, but Pete, you, you brought it up before that had a cop walked in on that guy beating up the Asian guy. That there would have been, been a lot of force. 
necessary to break that up. And they would be now going after the cop. And, and you, you know, all these politicians just said, we have to train the public how to intervene. How stupid are these politicians? Well, train the public. They don't even want to train cops. Yeah, <laughs> Look at that guy on the cops ready to do the job, and they don't want them to. They disband anti-crime. My, anti -crime my whole point is been there. Sorry, guys. My, my point is, is that you know what? Cop will go in there and do battle with that animal that was on the train. But you know what? What's in the cops' forefront of his mind now? Am sued. I going to get jammed up? Am I going to get sued? These people here with cameras. I, you know, I, I'll say it now. I'm retired. If I would have walked into the middle of that, I'm swinging for the fences, and he's going to catch one right in his mouth. And, you know, back at that time when these things were still permitted, you saw what that perpetrator did to the victim. He choked him out. Cop would have been in the fight of his life fighting that guy. That guy was big. He was fast. He knew how to use his hands. What? Are you going to shoot somebody in the middle of the subway train? No, you're not. You're going to be physically going at it, either with a stick or whatever. But now you got to get up and put hands up. You know what? Guess what? I would choke him out in a heartbeat because that might be the only way you are taking that guy down. Nobody else is stepping up to help you out. But why should a police officer? I mean, they're not worried about doing the battle. They're worried about what's coming down the line. Who's suing them? Is the job jamming them up? Is the DA going to prosecute them? Because he punched this guy in the face. And that's exactly what that perp needed. And that's what you would have had to do to stop him. And cops are becoming more and more hesitant through no fault of their own. I'm not doubting their courage or their bravery. We see it every day. But what is up front? Am I going to get jammed up? And that couple of seconds may be the difference between a cop living and a cop dying or saving that victim. Because, yeah. you know, City Council, they started it last year with the with the chest compression issue. A lot of guys, whoa, man. And this knucklehead that's sending me these letters, he, he doesn't get it. Yet here we are now, eight, ten months later, all right, and now you're starting up with the qualified immunity. Yeah, 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 we got the cops. Who is going to – what happens when cops get to the point where they're so browbeaten and, and just – Neglected and just like, what happens if we get into another summer? Civil disturbances. We're going to need those cops to stop that. But guess what? City council sent the message. We're more interested in jamming you up than any one of these jackasses that's wrecking and looting and burning. Pete, I can't believe the language of he wanted to level the playing field. We got to give the perps an even chance against the police. That's what never, he was basically saying, you know. You know, it will never. I'm sorry. It will never be the moral equivalent of a police. There's no moral equivalency here between a perp and a police officer. It's as simple as that. And that's the part that, you know, kumbaya and we're all, you know, all equals. No, I'm a police officer doing a job. He's a scout. He's a stick-up man. He's a burglar. He's a rapist. Or in the case of the subway crime, he was just like a barbarian. And, you know, I shouldn't have to worry about getting in trouble. You can bet your ass everybody on that train would say, I hope a cop walks on that train car. Because I want a question for the whole panel. You think that guy paid his fare? 
<laughs> well, Bratton allowed that to happen. He allowed people to go into the turnstiles without paying. And Bill, real quick, is what everyone just witnessed on that video was a chokehold. That's what they witnessed. Yeah. yeah. And when that guy walked off the train, if you didn't know the whole story, you didn't know if he was dead. So you might have witnessed a homicide. Had a police officer engaged in a battle with that individual perp, he himself may have been put into a chokehold. The very same technique that we are prohibited from using is being applied to the public. And we are held to a different standard than everyone else. But we just witnessed a victim choked out in what is a factual chokehold. And no one said a word about it. No one's yelling, this is a biased crime. We're not hearing that. There's really no talk of it. We're talking about it. You know, and the worst is even the press calling out like, oh, no one got involved. Here's the, the people like pushing these uh, the agenda the press has. They don't get anti-police, you know. They don't get involved. The press doesn't get involved to tell the real story. They're just as accountable. And look, there are some members of the press that do tell the real story. But what we witnessed wasn't, you know, a male black choking an Asian. What we witnessed was laws that allowed this to happen that have been provided by city councilmen and the mayor of New York and a police department that has taken a hands-off approach to law enforcement. That's what we witnessed. This is the result of it. And we're going to see more of this to come. It's coming. We, you know, get your popcorn out. Get ready to watch it. And you know so, what Ed, what, what are precinct CEOs telling their troops as they turn them out? What well, they're telling? probably drinking the Kool-Aid, to be honest with you. They're probably singing Kumbaya, getting <laughs> some Twitter photos of delivering turkeys to some poor family someplace and not really getting involved in this. I mean, to, to look at what's occurring in the streets, um, someone's going to get killed. And we're seeing it on a daily basis. We're seeing the shootings and the homicides. But precinct COs can't tell police officers to go out there and address crime because we're really prohibited based on what's occurring to get involved with, you know, struggling with the perp. I mean, we witnessed a violent act just now. What happens if we land on this guy's chest? We may be arrested. What happens if we needed to apply that chokehold because he was winning the fight? We may be arrested. But if it all goes well, we still may be sued. How do you expect the police officers to go to work like that? Like, well, Ed, didn't that already happen to a cop in Queens? Didn't a cop in Queens yes, get arrested? Did. Yes, that did. And he was he was hit with department charges. I don't know what the outcome is to the case. But things happen in the heat of battle. And your job in the heat of battle, we all have worn this uniform, is to win. We don't get paid to lose and to be sent home dead. Our job is to win. Right. And whatever means necessary, it's up to us to win. With this city council, with this mayor, the Blasio has destroyed the city of New York in the seven and a half years that he has been here. And it took all of us, and we've all been part of it, 25 years to bring it back to a state of civility. This guy just gave it away at will. At will, he freed the mentally insane. He, he's done that. He's done nothing for the homeless, done nothing for veterans, and he's empowered the criminals with Dunkin' Donut gift cards and phone cards. And you know, this is what this moron's been doing. My question to everyone is, 
where are the, where are the silent majority of city in New York? Besides moving out of state, where are they? Because this is their city. It's we're not going to hold this down alone. They need to have a voice. Right. Seems like a lot of them, you know, some of them will be coming back from the Hamptons and from Montauk and from their second home now that the pandemic is. Uh, they probably don't vote in the city, Bill. They probably don't. They probably vote in the places where they have those second homes. So who's really affected? Let's be honest. Who's really affected by what's occurring? It's the poor families living in the hardcore neighborhoods. Brownville, East New York. It's the, it's the people struggling to survive that are affected who are being sold a bucket of crap, and they're the ones that really want the police there. Look at the body count. Where is it occurring? Oh, it's not happening on Park Avenue. It's not happening on Fifth Avenue when everyone's shopping, okay? It's happening in Brownsville, East New York, you know, the 4th, 6th precinct in the Bronx where it's going crazy. I'm sure I got multiple shootings coming over my phone right now. So that's where it's happening. Who speaks for those people? Who speaks for them? Well, you know, Ed, I always talk to Pat Russo, who runs the PBA Boxing, and he is plugged into the community. And he says they're always telling him they want the police. They, they want the police there all the time. They and do. these people who are representing the city council, they're out of touch with reality as far right. as in the neighborhoods that are uh, inner city neighborhoods that have the highest crime. They want the popo there. But where's the media putting that message out? Where is the people in those communities being interviewed by the media saying, do you want the police? And where's the protest that we want the police? Media is not covering that. And let's be honest, Bill, they can't come out and say want the police because they're afraid in the neighborhoods they live in. And no one tells that story. Yeah, absolutely. Pete, you seem like you want to say something. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about the two councilmen in the neighborhoods where they live. Uh, two in particular that I... Guess what? There's no boats flying up and down the street out there. Nope. They're not coming out to their cars broken into but yet they're the people that seem to be most agenda-driven on these issues. Like Levin on the Upper West Side. Oh, we got to do this. Well, you know what? They broke. Nobody's lighting up the 2-4 precinct or, or the 2-0 precinct. You know, people are getting killed, like Ed said. Brownsville, East New York, Harlem, uh, the 4-2, the 4-4. And... Those are the people, it, it's those neighborhoods where people are suffering the most. And they really do. And I have to say this, before I retired, there was a lot of people in the different neighborhoods we were in. Maybe because they weren't going to come out and give me a hug in, in, in front of the uh, grant houses. But you know what? When you're inside, these people were appreciative. They would thank you. And they would say, we need you guys here. Don't leave us. Well, you know, and, Pete, when uh, you, I, what reminded me when you were talking about that is some of the other tools that were taken away. For example, trespass affidavit. Uh, they took that tool away. For example, housing cops. What was the number one word in housing? Verticals. They don't, they don't want them doing verticals anymore. How would you like to live in a housing project where drugs and sex and violence and all kinds of stuff is going on in the stairwells? And there's no cops doing verticals to make to clear those stairwells. Yeah, but these are the tools, Billy. These are tried and true. I mean, you now they can complain about broken windows, this and that. Basic police work, common sense. 
You know, we had 100 years of common sense policing of how to do this. We know how to do it. We know how to make crime go down. And they're not here. City Hall's not hearing it. City Council's not hearing it. You know, if, if they think we're all just going to, you know, life is going to go, you know, it's not happening. Because there will always be a criminal element. And they're not playing games. But you know what? City Council has no clue. Absolutely none. I think it's just so much of this, and we've talked about this before, it's this progressiveness that I fought in my campaign, you know, tooth and nail, and this idea of decarceration. They want to make it as hard as possible to discourage good police work, to discourage proactive police work, because they don't want people getting arrested, going to prison, you know, they're, they're doing away with jails, closing Rikers Island. That was their, their back end approach. That's now, a real estate deal. That's what that is. With plenty of graft and a grift. Don't kid yourself. It's still, that's why the, the bail reform is there. It's to release criminals out into society. That's their goal. And now, instead of back ending it through the jails, they're, front, they're preventing the front loading of it by the arrest. They're making it so difficult to make arrests. They're discouraging officers to make arrests. They're, this removal of qualified immunity is to deter police officers. I mean, think about it this way. The city council, uh, probably one of their reasons that they're telling everyone is, well, this will be a deterrence on police misconduct. But why is that deterrence not effective when we talk about criminal behavior? They don't believe deterrence actually deters people, like stiff sentences, uh, bail, would deter somebody from committing a crime or a higher bail would deter somebody from committing a crime. They don't believe that. But when it comes to police officers, they believe deterrence actually works. I mean, it, it's nonsense. But we got to call them out on it, you know, because that this is their goal. They well, Joe, the, and part of that whole goal is something called, we discussed this also the last time, community corrections, where they believe that the convicted felons, the parolees, the people on probation can live with the community, sing Kumbaya every Friday night, and they're going to behave because they're home with their families, you know, <laughs> and, and doing all kinds. Look, I know how hard it is to get someone's parole revoked when they're out. You know, they'll smoke weed, they'll be out after curfew, they don't have a job, they commit a crime. Oh, no, we're not going to violate them. I, I wonder, since I've been, been out, how much more difficult it must be to violate a parolee. It's not, it's, it's hard. Yeah, the it will really is hard. hard. You know, but but Bill, we, we discussed this a few minutes ago before. You talk about parolees, and we mentioned Cuomo's part in this, how much damage this guy did by starting the ball rolling. But now we have a cop killer executed a police officer, police officer Walsh, in 1981, in a bar of Queens. This guy's now on a committee. Advising uh, I read that. I, I just cannot believe that. I just cannot believe that. He you should know? be under the jail, not in one, under one. End of story. It, it's insane. And, and, and these people just, they're pushing to the cliff and they just keep pushing harder. And I don't know where it ends. Well, that's, you know, this whole, it's a whole woke philosophy, really, where they think that people do not belong in jail and not belong in prisons. 
they believe like in the goodness of everyone, not in that there are evil people out there that need to be in prisons and jails. All of a sudden, no one's got anything to say, huh? No, listen, I'm going to go back to what we're talking about, councilmen. You know, we have Jamani Williams who's living in, in behind a secured army base, basically, and was instituting policies. Um, you know, we talk about jail reform, and there's a reason for some jail reform. I'll concede to that. Has anyone sat down and discussed it with us? No, they haven't. So we institute policies that, you know, close Rikers Island, Pete's 100% correct. That's a land grab. There's actually architectural plans for that, of turning it into condos and casinos and things along those lines. No one talks about that. It's a big money grab. So let's move the jails to the communities, you know, near you. And who wants jails in your own communities? No one does. But at the end of the day, these are policies that no one wants to tell the truth about. Hey, yeah, are they going to name the units in, on Rikers like cell block C-76 and no, stuff like that? No, they'll probably name it like uh, <laughs> you know, Bed of Roses, you know, Kumbaya, Sing Song, we all got to love each other, stuff at like the that. M Cross Center, you know, I don't yeah. know. They're gonna... Or they'll name it after famous cop killers like Joanne Chesma and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, here's the part that they're also not discussing with that. They're talking about building these community jails at $14 billion for new jails. This city is piss hot broke. Never bought the piss in, except whatever federal aid is coming in from Biden. There's a lot coming, Pete. But you you want $14 billion at the jail? We already have jails. You know, we we got to remember, that. though, the people that are saying this are not going to be here. So it sounds good. No, the public got to sit back and realize that they are once again getting a royal hand job from these politicians. And until they hold them accountable, this is what's going to continue. Well, another problem in New York City is the electorate, because they keep electing the same type of person, mayor, you know. Well, no one expected de Blasio to get elected. Let's be honest. No one came out to vote, right? And what do you get, right. like 1% of the 17% or 1% came out to vote and you got 17% of that? I mean, I mean you know. How did that happen is beyond... Well, Ed, do you remember who was leading before uh, the Blasio got elected? Do you remember who was leading? Yeah. Anthony Weiner. There you go. There you go. So that shows you the electorate of this city, you know. Do we have anyone that that we could possibly support in the election? Is there anyone... Yeah, we're going to see as this goes forward, you know, who is of substance. I mean, everybody's been on record of being anti-police, singing Kumbaya. Um, you know, Fernando Mateo, I, and I'm, I'm not endorsing anyone, but I can tell you from the people that I know, is, is a guy that grew up in a city. He's Dominican, and he's worked his ass off his whole life. He's running. And he does believe in hard work, and he understands the minority community and what's taking place. Um, you know, Eric Adams used to be a cop. We get that. But he hasn't said a lot of good things about cops lately. So, no. and this isn't going to be based on who supports police. It's got to be based on what's right for the city of New York. But you can't be sitting here saying that you know we need more reform for police. You know, we we have uh, a guy from Citibank, McGuire, who's, who's a businessman, and you know we got an economy that's crushed. So, where are we with that? Um, you know, we really don't know. You know, Yang. 
is a, it seems to be a popular name based on what's occurred, you know, from him running for president. I think everyone thinks he's a billionaire, but a, my understanding is about $600,000 net worth. So, you know, who's really telling the truth out there? Um, we don't really know yet. And until they're tested, um, what their plan is, and they need to address issues in the schools. I mean, how do we have no schools? How do, how do we accept with the UFT keeps shoving down everybody's throat. How do we do that? Um, you know, who's got the courage to run the you know, most dynamic city in the world and who can sell that to be trusted? It's gonna be interesting. Well, you know, unfortunately, Ed, we were all on the job after 9-11, which is coming up on the, actually the 20 year anniversary. It's hard to believe that, you know, it's yeah. this September is gonna be 20 years. Yeah. And it took, I believe it took the city by conservative estimates, 10 years to recover from 9-11. And this pandemic, I think, economically is much, much worse than the economic blows that 9-11 delivered to the city. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the pandemic has taught people a way to work from home, a way to decrease retail space, office space, commercial space, and fun companies are functioning by not bringing these employees in which has an adverse impact. There's nobody going out for lunch, nobody shopping, nobody using transportation. So it has a big impact to the city. I mean, we were fortunate in many ways that Mike Bloomberg, whether you like him or not, was a billionaire businessman who came in to rebuild the city at a time that it needed it. Uh, named Ray Kelly, the police commissioner. How many cops out there actually miss Ray Kelly right now? I mean, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we take him back in a heartbeat and that's a guy that was an honorable guy, whether you liked him or not, it was at least honorable, you know, where he stood. So, you know, he had the right team in place to turn a city around. And um, believe me, if we can get Ray Kelly back right now, I take him. You know, Ed, he actually did 16 years because he did four with Dinkins and 12 right. with Bloomberg. Right. So he was PC for 16 years. That's unbelievable. PC, whether the public opinion, you know, gives him that or not, he honestly was a good PC. The guy was a, a colonel in the Marines, a lawyer. Um, you knew who was in charge. There was never a doubt. I mean, we all worked for him. You knew who was in charge. And he mm -hmm. represented the NYPD in a way that should have been represented. And he was not easy on anybody that needed to be disciplined. He buried you if you were wrong. But he right. was also fair if you were right. And you got to give him credit for that. You know, one of the problems now, Ed, is that... Um Basically, the, the top echelon of the police department have been told either accept these reforms or leave, retire or, or quit or leave. And you leave. So there's no pushback. Right. Look, Bill, if I say to you, uh, I'm a little short of cash and I need a driver, I want to rob a bank, I'm willing to bet you're going to say no. You've been a cop your whole life. You're not right. going to agree to that. And Pete's not no will Joe. Why would you not do that? Because you know that it's morally wrong. But what we're witnessing, and it would make a great book, I actually think about writing it, is the failures of leadership. We've seen several police commissioners bend over, take it, and continue to think that they're selling, you know, the good ship lollipop on policing. You know, they stand in front of a camera, they get a lot of attaboys, they get to the front of the line everywhere they go, and they loved being, you know, uh, looked at as a celebrity, but they're not doing a job. Think about this. We've all worked the last 25 years, you know, defending the city, decreasing crime. 
numerous commissioners have been around who helped do that, numerous chiefs. How would you like to be Shay, who's now in charge of you know the greatest city in the world and the fall of the greatest city in the world? Because it's him who's doing it. You know, you could sit back and blame the Blasio, but why are you agreeing to it? So right. great job. You you've helped commit murder in the city of New York as a police officer. But then I think I think the only way and I I don't I'm not gonna say I know how he thinks, but it's either maybe he may he may view it as stay and try to do something or or just quit or quit. And maybe he feels he could do help by staying, but you know, every time I look at pictures of the city and homeless people sleeping all over the place, garbage, and just the, the it, just all the things that we were taught were wrong, like to use broken windows theory, policing to clean up the city. And when I see what it looks like now, it really does break my heart. I feel like it was my city, and now it's being the gains we made in 30 years are being surrendered in, you know, like... Like but you know, just on that alone, just on what you're observing, how in the world could Shea think he's doing something to save it? I mean, every day, I, I'm getting shootings right now over the phone that are going on as we speak. Robberies going on in the city of New York as we speak. So if you think you're saving it, I hope you don't work as a lifeguard in the summertime because <laughs> your record of saviors is not good right now. Yeah. But the tools that we had to fight crime, they've taken a lot of them away, you know, i.e. anti-crime. Uh, aggressive police work, street crime is a thing of uh, yeah. the past. I don't know what narcotics is. Narcotics doing B and B. I don't even know. Well, narcotics is just about legal right now. So, like, right? Yeah, exactly. Think so, about what are they going to buy? <laughs> right. I mean, think about what's going on. You know, and what comes with narcotics is guns, right? Shootings, violence, and you want us to do what? Go boom the door, and then you're going to sit back and say we didn't do it the right way, and. You know, I mean, look, we, we have a sergeant that shot a woman swinging a baseball bat at his head, and they try to indict him for murder. What would they do to you if you hit a narcotics location? So, you, you know, what is it you really want us to do? There's no leadership. There's none. That's it. I just want to shout out to some of our uh, live chatters here. Retired Sergeant Melinda, good to see you back. Anna Benani Estrell, MC Zordio, Bruce Dell, Tim Acosta. Uh, happy, happy! I love that name. Gaspar Ramirez, Bill Ryan, uh, K Jack Images. Thank you for the nine ninety nine super chat. Robert one two three, Larry Bennett. Um, a lot of lot of same Mimi J two. Uh, Gaspar Ramirez. Sorry if I missed you guys. I can't read everybody. We're we're um, we're at about an hour and ten minutes. Hour and six minutes. I want to go to the final words. I'm going to give everyone a chance to give their final thoughts. Pete, since you uh, you didn't get as you didn't get as much camera time tonight, I'm going to let you go first. So, Pete, why don't you give us your final uh, final thoughts? You know, we're going to make either make a decision to either fight and die at this location, or we're going to give up. And we need to get into these people's faces. These people in the city council. Stuff they propose. You know what? Just call them right out. Like, yo, what are you talking about? You're a jackass. Ignore them. Move on. But we have to confront them. And to all the cops out there, be safe. You know, you, you, you're doing the you're doing, you're doing the Lord's work out there. And protect each other and be careful. Hallelujah, Joe Murray. You're looking mighty handsome tonight in front of your flag there. 
Thanks, I'm gonna sir. Give you, I'm going to give you uh, your final thoughts in in your lawyerly voice, and uh, and then we'll we'll let Ed finish up. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to follow what Pete said, and I think people need to speak up. People need to to get out and be part of the conversation. You know, Ed brought up the the voter apathy that took place that allowed De Blasio to get in, that allows these other progressive city council people to get in. I know they don't hold the views of the majority. And I, I think we, we're starting to see that awakening, but unfortunately it came at a, at a heavy expense. So I commend you, Bill, and I commend, you know, both, uh, you know, uh, Ed and Pete for speaking up and, and starting the conversation, but we have to find venues and, and places that we can further this conversation. We need to educate people. We walk those beats. We did the patrol and, and we watched the transformation happen due to our hard work from the, the major crime ridden city that it was to the incredibly safest city in, in the country. We have to have that information out there and share it with the public and motivate the public. If we don't do it, it, it we're not going to be part of the, the conversation and we won't be part of the solution. So thank you. And I commend you guys and encourage you to continue. Joe, thank you. Well said. Ed, your final words. Don't final shock words. the city. The city loves the when you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these politicians. Well, so, uh, and as we are talking, we now have another shooting in the Bronx right now on a Bruckner, um, a person shot. Um, there's several in this conversation. And, and Pete's right what he's saying. Um, we may need to do a show and name city councilmen. Put it out there. We, we should sit whether it's a two-hour show, but let's talk about their voting records. Let's talk about what they're doing, okay? And for the police officers that are listening, you know, yeah, be safe, but do not jeopardize your your freedom, your family, your well-being. Do not do it, okay? Try to do your job the best you can, but do not follow bad laws that are going to put you in danger. And, you know, for the chiefs and the commissioners, they'll probably – and you know, my all-time favorite commissioner, Resnick, who likes to follow what the SBA does, you know, <laughs> maybe grow a pair, you know, or go down to the local sports store and buy a pair. But at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> don't go and follow the the crowd because you're too weak to stand up for what's right. Okay, You had a long career of doing investigations and, and chasing criminals. You know, go back to that. Become the cop that we all wore the same patch ran on the same gym floor, and do what's right. The same thing for Shay and all the cronies that are sitting there with their sneakers hanging out the back door. It's time to start doing what's right, regardless of what the elected officials say. Very well said, Ed. I think there were some people in the uh, political world that were, they were, they were a little nervous what you were going to say, but that's, that's okay. Listen, I want to thank everyone uh, that came by tonight to listen, all of our... Uh, supporters on police off the cuff real crime stories and all the folks that uh have come on the show i just got a uh a police commissioner i, I won't tell you from where just asked to come on the show great so that's showing that people are starting 
to like the message that's going out there. Bill, you know? see if he's interested in taking the job. In the <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't ask him that, but I'll, but I'll ask him. I'll give you a list of questions for this one. I, I think he's actually a former uh, member of the NYPD. Okay, but, hopefully uh, he'll be uh, coming back to do what's right. Yeah. You know? I, I have no idea who the next administration is. Al, Al Sharpton may be the PC under the next administration. Oh, God, here we I, go again. I have no <laughs> idea. You know, <laughs> but anyway, all you police off the cuff fans, everyone out there that support us, to Pete Panuccio, Joe Murray, and the SBA president Ed Mullins, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Good night now. Good night.